Hello, and welcome to Overly Opinionated Episode Dose. Uh, today, we are covering The Sound of Music. Um, obviously, an incredible movie. Sp- spoiler about my opinion. Um, let me not jump too far ahead, though. I did kind of realized that I forgot to give any sort of introduction into who I am. Of course, I'm assuming most of the people who are listening to this are people who already know me. But you know, just in case, my name is Charlotte. (laughs) I'm 23. I am a Gemini sun and moon. (laughs) What else is there to know? What's your rising sign? I'm a rising Virgo. And um, I guess that's really all you need to know to really gauge my personality. Um, Of course, uh, before we jump into The Sound of Music, uh, oh, I'm also here with Hillary, if you don't, if you didn't hear the snort two seconds ago. And uh, if you didn't listen to episode one, obviously go and listen to that where Hillary and our other sister Katie and I cover Moulin Rouge. And uh, yeah, all of our opinions are our own. And uh, spoiler alerts, if you haven't seen it somehow or don't know the story. And of course, you know, warning for possible content and explicit language. Also, if you haven't seen Sound of Music, um, where Okay, I literally, I won't call anyone out. But one of my very good friends told me last night as I was watching it that they have never seen it. And I was like, you have a week or I can't speak to you again. Yeah. So. (laughs) I mean, if you're okay, if you're not like it coming from an English speaking nation, Mm. fine. But if you're from the U.S. or Canada or Australia or the U.K. or whatever. Mm -hmm. The many. Yeah. Get it together. Period. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so quick synopsis if you're unfamiliar. This again, I didn't write the synopsis. Please don't get mad at me for not liking the synopsis or don't sue me because I didn't write this. Um, a tuneful, heartwarming story. It is based on the real life story of the Von Trapp family singers, one of the world's best known concert groups in the era immediately preceding World War II. Julie Andrews plays the role of Maria, the tomboyish postulant at an Austrian abbey who becomes a governess in the home of a widowed naval captain with seven children and brings a new love of life and music into the home. Who wouldn't love that? (laughs) Sounds great. Seven children. I, yeah, literally, (laughs) LOL. Um, So a little bit of background on the movie. Um, Again, this is all stuff you could find on Wikipedia. This is where I found it. So I won't be going too in depth because, you know, if you really want to know, just read Wikipedia. But I digress. This movie was released in 1965, directed by Robert Wise and starring Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer, Richard Hayden, who plays Max, Peggy Wood, who plays Mother Abbess or the Mother Abbess, I don't know, and um, Eleanor Parker, who plays Baroness Schrader. And of course, the children, I'm not going to be naming all seven, just 
again, go to Wikipedia if you really want that information. Um, so The Sound of Music is uh, based loosely on the real Von Trapp family. Uh, the story first originated from the real Maria Von Trapp's memoir called The Story of the Trapp Family Singers. And that was then made into a widely loved movie in Germany called The Trap Family. And then a sequel was subsequently made later on too and was again, very popular in Germany. The um, English language version of the film was almost made um, by Paramount Pictures in the 50s, um, but uh, they dropped the option I don't know why, but it was then produced to be a stage musical with new songs written by Rodgers and Hammerstein of very, a lot of fame. They mm -hmm. wrote, they wrote for Cinderella and a bunch of shit. So yeah. you, you know who they are. Um, from stage to screen, a lot of songs, uh, not a lot, a couple of songs were removed or added and um, of course, like some of the song order was changed, but not super drastic. Um, and kind of the characterizations of Maria and Georg um, were changed um, from the stage version um, as Maria was thought to be a little bit too sweet. And actually, Christopher Plummer himself thought that Georg was, uh, he lacked substance. So Christopher Plummer himself had a very big hand in changing and characterizing Georg, the captain. Um, now let's just uh, preface by saying this movie is not necessarily historically accurate in terms of like the real lives of the Von Trapp family. Um, Maria was not actually hired as the governess, but as a tutor for one of the children, um, ironically also named Maria. Um, and because her name was also Maria, they changed basically almost all of the names of the children um, for the movie. And uh, Georg and Maria did not actually marry for love in reality, but mainly out of necessity. And Georg like wanted a mother for his children and Maria just wanted like financial stability basically. And uh, Georg technically wasn't originally from Austria. He was from like modern day Croatia or something. Yeah. Um, and the event timeline for like their real life and marriage happened pretty much like almost 10 years, I think, before the actual Anschluss, mm -hmm. um, in 1938. And actually, unfortunately, Georg did really consider the position that the Nazis were offering him. And shockingly, the Nazis were not that hostile about his like reservations as they are in the movie. Um, but he did eventually turn down the um, position. Hmm. And then uh, finally, the Von Trapps did not hike through the hills of Austria to escape, but actually just, you know, hopped on a train to Italy. Yeah. yeah. So I read that. that too when I yeah. researched the Italy thing and him being from what is now Croatia. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know that he was like, um, like, on the fence i guess about like yeah the nazi regime I, I always just assumed that he was like vehemently against it but yeah interesting. i mean that is that's the like the the fairy tale trope that he's like no but i guess in reality he was very much uh on the fence and yeah it, it wikipedia i think it said they basically he like they like courted him for like months 
to try to get him to like take the position um and like gave him gifts and stuff <laughs> as a way to persuade him so interesting yeah Yikes. now <laughs> on to our uh personal you know history with the content if any i don't uh, mm-hmm. hillary you can go first i've been talking a lot um i don't remember when i first saw this i was like trying to think about when i maybe first saw it and yeah. i cannot remember so it must have been i must have been like five i'm <laughs> sure younger. earlier yeah um but it's something that i like like to watch every so often i don't know it's just like such a feel-good movie mm-hmm. i also kind of love how long it is yeah. i know people like don't like long movies but for some reason this one i love that it's like i can it, sit and watch it for three hours it goes by so fast it really does yeah when i was re-watching it i was like oh wow that went by way quicker than i remember but yeah, yeah i mean the music is obviously really like legendary mm-hmm. um it's everywhere um True. julie andrews christopher Plummer, r.i.p oh king um, canadian king who also like, yeah. lived in connecticut for yeah, much of yeah. his later years and it's funny because when he passed away one of my clients um was talking about like how much she loved him and i was like oh we just had like a 10 minute conversation about <laughs> the sound of music during her therapy session but Hell it was yeah. it was it was good for her <laughs> but yeah. yeah i mean every like almost everybody that i've met has had has some sort of connection to the sound of music even if it's like superficial like with the Mm -hmm. music so yeah yeah I'm kind of in the same boat I have always been in love with this movie but I don't really know yeah like when Mm -hmm. I first saw it our father is a big fan I mean I'm sure our mother is too but particularly our father is a huge fan of this movie um, so I'm sure we were all quite young when we first saw it, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically a kid's movie. There are definitely like darker themes, but like you would never really pick up on them until you're like watching it at a later age. Um, or at least I didn't. So, <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I started watching this movie like almost every year in high school because I kind of gained like a vehement obsession with like old Hollywood and that type of thing I mean this isn't technically old Hollywood because it's like the 60s um but you know it takes place during that time um and yeah so I watch it basically every year like Hillary said every song is a freaking banger and you'll hear me say that throughout our comments (laughs) um and uh yeah there's not like a, a a story to my like history with it but needless to say it's great we love it we've seen it a lot um okay so let's you know let's jump right in to our comments of course if you listen to Moulin Rouge our Moulin Rouge episode you'll kind of know how this goes we'll go through kind of like scene by scene um, and give you a little description of the scene we're talking about and then our comments. So my first like three comments really don't have much to do with like the actual scenes. Uh, These are just general overarching comments. Um, 
So yeah, as I said, as I was reading the Wikipedia page for like the research portion, I said earlier, Paramount initially wanted or purchased the U.S. film rights um, in 1956. And interestingly, wanted to cast Audrey Hepburn as Maria, which I thought was very interesting because Audrey Hepburn would later go on to star as Eliza Doolittle in the film version of My Fair Lady, which Julie Andrews originated on Broadway yeah. and in the West End and yada, 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 and did not do her own singing in that said film. Right. Which angers me. Um and um, interestingly enough, Julie Andrews was actually denied this film, uh, the My Fair Lady film role, because Jack Warner um, thought that she wasn't like well known enough at the time. So yeah. my first comment is basically, thank God that Paramount dropped the film option and that Hepburn did not play Maria, because I think we all would have very different memories and associations with the film yeah I okay so I haven't seen a lot of like Audrey Hepburn's movies mm -hmm. but I don't know I just see her everywhere and everybody worships her and I don't know I just I'm just kind of like eh. yeah <laughs> interesting it's funny because I am like obsessed with old Hollywood but Audrey Hepburn is like not a person that I really love right. like every white girl is like eh, breakfast at Tiffany's like whatever yeah. but I'm like um, uh, it's fine take it early like yeah you're more for the Barbara Streisands and the yeah the Julie Andrews and the Judy Garland right yeah yeah of course um and then just um, a comment on the casting of Christopher Plummer as the captain. Apparently, Bing Crosby was considered for the role. Um, and if you don't know who that is, what the fuck? Um, but he's also like a huge old Hollywood like uh, male uh, actor and star and singer. Sorry if you can hear the dogs barking in the background, by the way. I don't know what's going on. Um, but he was in like White Christmas and uh, what else? I don't even, I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than White Christmas because I love that movie. But he's very famous and he's an incredible singer. And although I do love Plummer's characterization of the captain, it would have been interesting to see Bing in this role just because Bing is a singer and Christopher Plummer is not. And he built, Christopher Plummer did not do a lot of, or really any of his own singing on the mm -hmm. official soundtrack of um, this movie. And, um, the person who did do his like dubbing was uh, someone named Bill Lee, who I guess worked for Disney and was like a well-known playback singer for them. Um, and I love Bill Lee's voice. I love how the captain sounds. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I do wish that Christopher Plummer did some of his own singing. Yeah. Um, so it would have been interesting to see Bing. But maybe just, yeah, I, it would have been, he's very short and Julie Andrews mm -hmm. is very tall. So it would have been, maybe not great yeah <laughs> she is really tall i i was i love just like it's so weird but i like like searching of how tall different celebrities are oh yeah i don't know why but um when i was just looking her up and i said she's like five eight or something i mean i'm, I'm sure like, she's shrunken a little bit with age yeah but, but i'm like wait what like yeah. girl's tall yeah <laughs> like, damn another reason why she's a literal queen yeah yeah. Um, and then my final, like, non-scene specific saw, uh, comment is, um, apparently in 2015, the, 
um, like Billboard, the organization Billboard, named the Sound of Music album slash soundtrack the second greatest album of all time. And I'm like, honestly, makes sense. Like, all the songs are great. They're really widely loved. But I was also like, what? That's crazy. And then I was like, but what is number one? So I looked it up. And it's 21 by Adele. And I was like, those are so like two very different albums. Like, I don't know how they compared and contrasted this list. Um, but I found Did it very 21 come out in 2015. Ooh, I don't think so. It came out oh, earlier. No. Yeah, it came out in like 2012. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's like the recency effect. Yeah, true. Um <laughs> But I was like, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting choice. Yeah. And third is Thriller by Michael Jackson, which is understandable. I'm a huge fan of that album. I literally wrote a like 10 page English paper in high school about Thriller. So interesting. Um, And then, of course, uh, not surprising. I also found out that uh, The Sound of Music is one of the most commercially successful films of all time. So now jumping into the actual movie (laughs) um (laughs) after literally like what 20 minutes of us talking um so we we start the movie and it's like this beautiful opening scene this like instrumental music and this beautiful landscape and like first it starts off starts off with like the snowy mountaintops and then it goes into like the greenery and the rivers and blah 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 and I just love it. I love this opening sequence. It starts off with the film with like a very idyllic frame. Um, you know, the green mountains, the birds chirping, beautiful trees and body of bodies of water. And then of course, panning over to Maria twirling her ass off. And I just love it. Um, and apparently Julie Andrews said in an interview that this filming this, that twirling segment of that scene was like hell because they used a helicopter to like hone in on her. Like, cause it, it pans forward almost like five feet away from her. Yeah. And it's literally this helicopter, like a camera on a helicopter going super quick towards her. And she's like five feet away from it. So yeah. She said yeah, it was very hard to do. That's scary. I'm and I'm guessing nowadays a scene like that would be filmed with like a drone or something. Yeah. Probably. Um, or a crane or something. Yeah. But damn, that's uh that's interesting. Um yeah, I mean I, similarly like it's I I love this like introductory nature sequence. It's like a nature documentary for mm-hmm. the first like 5 minutes. Beautiful. Um I've never seen the like stage musical but like I kind of wonder like if this part would sort of be missing because like you don't get the huge landscapes and the cinematography of all the hills and everything because I feel like the hills are almost like a background character they're like a supporting character yeah um they're like comfort and sanctuary for Maria and also the family too because they go up there you know when she's teaching them the um the, the do re mi song and mm-hmm. then how they leave through the hills well not actually in history but that's you know yeah. that becomes their <laughs> escape route too so right. it's just i wonder like if it's as effective in the stage version yeah i i've never seen it either so i don't know but um yeah 
interesting point. I did forget to say in my history, like personal experience with this movie, I almost, I studied abroad. (laughs) I studied abroad um, for a semester (laughs) in college and I went to Edinburgh. But my second choice was, um, I, it was either Vienna or in like near Salzburg because of this movie. I was like, I want to see all the sites. Like I want to like be, I want to be Maria on the hill and like sing do re mi on those steps. And I'm pretty sure I didn't end up doing it because like language barrier, that type of thing. But that was almost a reality for me. Shit, that would have been so cool. Yeah. Yeah, like my other comment is that like, I would just love to see these hills, the Alps. They're just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like, I know, like, we have our own version, the Rocky Mountains, but still. Eh. What even either, so. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I'd like to, I'd like to see some big old mountains. Yeah. Yeah. mountains um so yeah then of course the sound of music the song starts um and of course as usual julie sounds i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll be referring to her in first person or like by her first name because i i know her personally obviously um she sounds incredible as always i love this song sets up how important the setting of the movie is um like you said it's like almost like a background character the hills um and it 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 was like it's touching because all of these characters have such a like love and such an attachment to salzburg um so it kind of like captures that in like the first five minutes of the movie kind of sets up their like absolute um what's the word like devotion to Mm -hmm. Salzburg um and of course the twirling and like her movement and she's just like free roaming through the hills really captures how like free-spirited she is as a character and almost how like she's kind of has like this childlike nature um which is obviously benefits her as a governess um and I did wonder um when she's singing the line, I go to the hills when my heart is lonely. I was like, we don't know anything about Maria's like family, where yeah. they are, how she came to be like at the Abbey. And so in that regard, she's lonely. And in, of course, she's like an outcast at the Abbey. So I felt like it was a pretty poignant line because she's probably lonely basically all the time so she she's, goes to the hills all she's the, the time. luna Lovegood of this true movie, not as extreme but yeah no but yeah i think i read that the actual maria i think her up- upbringing was like kind of rough mm. um i don't remember exactly what i read i just remember a theme of it like being kind of tough mm. um yeah. but yeah she's super like we get this intro to maria in her character basically while she's kind of running around singing this song um i don't know i just she's just so silly i love her <laughs> like she is me when i'm alone in my apartment basically <laughs> true <laughs> um and julie andrews is obviously amazing yeah in in the whole movie but like right at this part too like yeah i mean just... she she kicks it off perfectly 
Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great song, too. Like, it, it's so memorable. And, mm. well, it's in Moulin Rouge, too. I know. I was just going to say. Right? Like, we were talking Connections. About... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just everywhere. And then some of the other songs have been used in other things. Like, we'll talk about those ones later. But, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's beautiful. Um so then we get to like the opening credits. So I found it kind of interesting that this like that whole scene with her was like before the actual opening credits, um, which I don't know. I don't know if that's like a common thing with like musical it, movies. It it is with old movies. Like right. a lot of old movies have like their credits roll in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it's like after she sings that full song too mm-hmm. it's not like before that it's after she sings that song yeah um and then we get to salzburg where the um what is it called the nunnery is I guess. <laughs> the, the abbey the nunnery. Yeah, nunnery get thee to a nunnery. yeah basically um yeah so salzburg is a pretty like famous place historically Mozart was from Salzburg too. Such a musical place. Yeah, apparently his like childhood home is there, and you can like visit it. Um, That's cool. So you you should you should have gone there. I know. (laughs) One day, one day. Damn, I missed my chance. Nah. Um. So yeah. Then of course it pans over to the abbey, and the nuns are all singing. They're at mass or whatever i don't know what they actually call it i don't know anything about this i'm not religious but um yeah so then they all are like talking about maria and they're like lol where is she she's so crazy and um which leads into the song maria and i just love that ironically sister margareta and sister berta are like sort of playing the like angel and devil on the mother abbess's shoulders which is like i said ironic because you know religion (laughs) right um and i just like the i just thought that the in the song maria the the metaphors excuse me the metaphors that the mother abbess uses for maria are kind of like beautiful like Mm -hmm. a wave upon the sand a moonbeam a cloud and of course they all know that she like loves god or whatever she's like faithful to god and like the will of god they always say um but like they they know that she's like clearly just too she's too flighty to be a nun like she she can't be held down which i appreciate um and of course they all love her for being her but they just know that she doesn't belong there Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, it, I, that song is so funny. And I had the same reaction with the metaphors. Mm. I was like, oh, wow, like, these are cool. Like, the moonbeam thing, I, mm-hmm. th- it's so pretty. Like, how do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? Like, yeah. wow, they, that imagery is really, really nice. And I think in some of the other yeah. songs, too, I noticed a lot of, like, imagery. Oh, it, it was in um, Favorite Things. Mm. Like, there's a lot of imagery in there, too. So the the lyrics are very very vivid and i like that um so these nuns okay they're so judgmental true um like i've even heard her singing in the abbey is one of the (laughs) lines and it's like why is singing against nun code i know (laughs) like i'm sorry like 
I don't I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to offend any like devout Catholics or anything but like it's just so stuffy yeah. like everything's so rigid and obviously that doesn't fit Maria's personality and that's what these nuns are sort of singing about um mm-hmm. so it, it just kind of ugh kind of pisses me off it's like yeah who cares she let her sing whenever let she her wants. let her <laughs> spread her beautiful voice around exactly. the exactly you haters exactly. yeah um and apparently the real maria was kind of erratic like she would apparently have tantrums and like anger outbursts Ooh. and that's i read that it was according to one of the real von trapp children like she wasn't like abusive or anything it's just she was very like she would have an outburst Hot and cold yeah and then would like go back to like being fine mm-hmm. um which i can kind of i can kind of see but like they just show like the positive side of that in- yeah like she's like she's fighting for a good reason yeah and she's like funny and witty and like free-spirited without like worrying about what other people think yeah um yeah and th- these again with these songs they're so catchy yeah like even if I like hadn't like haven't seen the movie in a while, like randomly, a lot of these songs just like pop up in my head. And it's like, why is this? Why is this in my head right now? Because <laughs> like, they're great. Yeah. So like this one and um, the uh, the lonely goat herd one. That oh. for some reason that one's always in my head. <laughs> that one is so good. It I is. can't. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but it's great. And yes. yes, same. I always have the songs in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maria ends and the mother abbess is like, girl, we need to do something about her. Like, I have to do, I have to send her somewhere that's not here because she clearly doesn't belong here, at least for right now. Um, and so she brings Maria into her office. And something that I observed this time watching that maybe like confirmed why I don't love I'll get I'll talk about this later but I honestly don't really love the song climb every mountain or like the mother abbess I don't know like as a kid I just didn't find that character interesting or like I didn't like her and I think part of the reason is like they kind of frame her like space in Mm -hmm. a way that's like kind of dark like Mm -hmm. maria walks into the office and it's like super dimly lit really dark kind of spooky like the interior decor of course i'm sure they didn't really care like nuns don't really care about interior decoration but it was like very dark wood very like no lights on like very foreboding Mm -hmm. and it makes it it it's obvious to me why maria seems so like scared to go in there because like yeah. what what good news can be shared in like a freaking dungeon it's kind of like the um in american horror story asylum like yeah it kind of reminds me of um yeah sister jude yeah sister jude's office it's so similar to that like pretty dark and dingy and like even that is lit better than this though <laughs> yeah but it has like that like negative yeah. vibe mm-hmm. um but, I, you know, of course, I do appreciate this scene. Um, Maria is p- apologizing for, like, literally every part of her personality that, like, makes her her. Like, her singing, her wandering around the mountains, her speaking her mind. And the mother abbess is like, girl, like, relax. Like, that's just you. It's okay. 
Um, so, you know, I don't, as an adult, I can appreciate the mother abbess a little bit more and like see her intentions. Obviously her, her intentions are good. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have a question about like the mother abbess's intentions. Like, did she really intend to bring Maria back after being the governess? Like what she, she says that she's only leaving the Abbey for a little while, but like yeah. what lessons did she really think Maria would learn out there about like the will of God and like being a nun? I think she- maybe it, the intention was like for her to like send Maria out in the world so that Maria could like have that realization of like mm. what kind of life she really wants. So it's almost like a, here, I'm going to send you out. You're going to do these, this thing. And then you're going to figure out if you really want to be here or you want to do your yeah. own thing. And I'll, and, and I'll just say it's only for a little while. Cause like, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, cause, Cause she wouldn't, she doesn't like, obviously she's not going to say like, yeah, and you, you're you're just gonna be there forever, right. cause then Maria would be like, "Wait, so Hell I can't come no. back here?" Like, <laughs> right? What? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and of course, I love just my last comment on this scene. I love Maria's <laughs> reaction to there being seven children. She's like, seven children," and she's yeah. like, "Well, you like children? Well, yes, but seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get to see her actual like her sense of humor is actually so like. She's hilarious dry wit Mm -hmm. and like when I was a child I didn't really understand I guess the humor as much as like I do now yeah um but I love how she describes like being like almost controlled by the nature around her she says like something like oh the the hills were like drawing me there like yeah talking about how she's just like controlled by the outside world and we sort of see this as naive or like just childlike but I don't know I just kind of love how appreciative she is of the world around her um it's admirable and I feel like we could all learn from that um I know I could (laughs) for sure um and then again Julie Andrews just so gorgeous yeah in this scene and like obviously the whole movie and forever but Mm -hmm. a queen never slides (laughs) Okay, I saw your comment about this. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but we have been misquoting that line for our entire lives. Wait, what is it actually? I'm still going to say a queen never slides because it is better, but the actual line is just, no, no, I never slide. Oh. and It's kind of course- like, Luke, I am your father, and no, I am your father. It's exactly. I'll still say it. We never slides. For people who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Princess Diaries. Um, so yeah, but yeah, she's Shit. a queen. I know. I we the three of us always say that line. We're like getting into cars, and this whole time we've been saying the wrong line. But I'm still gonna say it. Yeah. Fine. Um. So, um, Maria's like fine. I'll leave. I'll go take care of these seven devil children, I guess. Um, and she starts to, she's she's on her way to um, the captain's abode and she's singing I Have Confidence. Which is just another banger. I love, this is probably like my second or third favorite song from the movie. I, 
I honestly listen to this song like anytime I need a little like self-confidence boost or I'm like feeling a little sad. I'm like, you know what? I need to put this song on because it's great. Um, and it makes me feel good about myself. Um, another comment I had, I don't understand everyone's like repulsion to Maria's outfit here. Mm -hmm. Like when she arrives at the mansion, I think that like Butler says something about her clothes. And then of course she walks in and she greets the captain and the captain's like, ew, like you're, you look gross. You'll have to change before you meet the children. And then one of the kids, I think maybe Kurt, like says something about her dress being ugly. And I was like, she looks fine. Like it's not bad. Yeah. I, I, I never really saw it as ugly either, but maybe like, I, yeah, in, in that time, in that time, or it's like a class thing too. Like maybe it like makes her look poor and they're very wealthy or whatever. Maybe that's it. Maybe. But like bitch can sew like outfits out of fucking curtains, like leave her alone. Um, (laughs) and then of course, like the choreo in the, I have confidence scene is so great. She's so like playful and boisterous. And I love how she trips on her like confident March to the door and she still keeps, she, she keeps going she keeps marching yeah yeah because that's true confidence right like if you can stumble and just keep going yeah yeah love it yeah I like how you said that you you listen to the song whenever you need a self-confidence I really do I'm not lying yeah I feel like I need to start doing that because Mm -hmm. I love the song the dancing is so iconic (laughs) like she's so bonkers like can you just like imagine like seeing someone do that like in the middle like yeah she's great she's literally in the middle of the road like doing one of those like irish jig like kicks in the air yeah and she's like carrying the guitar and everything like it's so funny Mm -hmm. um but i like how the song like stops abruptly when she reaches the gate of the family's home um, cause I feel like that like puts us in her shoes. Cause it's like, oh shit. Like she's singing and she's talking about how like she has confidence. And then she like hits the entrance and it's like, uh, oh, like shit's it's about real. to get real. <laughs> yeah. And then it starts up again. And then that's when she trips and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I found that kind of cool that they like paused it there for that dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, Yeah. I don't even know what I was going to say. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, so she is greeted by the butler um, and he lets her in and she goes to that like great hall <laughs> and she just starts bowing to herself. I know. He literally says like, stay here. And immediately she walks o- over and like opens a door. Like honestly, same, but like Maria, what are you doing? It's just so funny, like, how she just, like, starts bowing to herself. And I don't know. I just get so much secondhand embarrassment with that scene, like, when mm-hmm. the captain, like, <laughs> walks in on her bowing to herself. Yeah. Because I feel like that's something that would happen to me, like, just doing stupid shit alone. And then somebody walks in. And it's like, oops, true. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so we meet the captain, and he's very severe. Mm-hmm. compared to Maria so I, I like that they like compliment each other pretty instantly and yeah. like especially he like describes the children's like routine and um 
she's like yes sir like, yeah, yeah mocking after, him yeah after um he explains it and he's just kind of like like taken aback by it mm-hmm. um so it's interesting because his parenting is like quite questionable um very authoritarian um but like that kind of discipline and like physical discipline was definitely way more common in that era and even now it's still like with the parents that I've uh counseled like they use Mm. some of that authoritarian style and parents think that it's like well it's the only way to get their children to actually like listen to them and so it it's still common and it's it's you know we're finding ways out of it but yeah yeah, being treated like a soldier as a child is, is definitely going to give you a warped view of like yourself, your boundaries, like authority figures. Um, but yeah. apparently the real Georg wasn't like that. Like I read that he was <laughs> apparently more like warm and loving and he actually spent more time with the children. Like he went on outings with them. Like he wasn't always out in Vienna or wherever like he is in the movie that's interesting because like maria and georg were like the opposite of what they're like sort of characterized as yeah yeah and i guess it makes sense because they want to like create that drama and Mm -hmm. like that characterization of the two of them and the relationship how they kind of like um complement each other and how she sort of like brings out the softness in him yeah right um and then just Christopher Plummer, like, oh, he's just so good. Um, he's so hot in this movie, too. I was, I was Okay, like, so yeah, that's my next point. Like, oh. he's just, like, so, like, beautiful. But, like, so is she. Like, they're, like, one of the, like, okay, so top ten cinema, like, hot couples. Yeah. Like, the, the two of them. It's just, ugh. And so I actually watched Knives Out the other day, which For the I first had- time? Yeah. <gasps> What the heck? It's taking me forever. It's been on my list for like a while, and for for whatever reason, I just like hadn't watched it. And he's so good. In that. <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, but he's good in so many things, like the man who would be king. He's mm. good in um, girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, yeah. Um, and then okay, so when he blows that damn whistle, <laughs> what a dick! <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Like I don't know how those actors, like the kids. I don't know how they kept a straight face during that where he's like weeping with the <laughs> sure. whistle. I'm sure it took many takes. Yeah, and they're like marching. Mm. And then I love Maria how like he's he says that like, oh, I'll call you with the whistle. And he does like the specific like sound. And she's Which like, I could never answer to a whistle. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm good. like, good for you, girl. Yeah, yeah. And I love how she like tells him that um, she was much more trouble at the abbey like her wit is just so unparalleled like she's yeah. so funny <laughs> dude i love that line i wrote that down too because i was like yeah I, that's genius mm-hmm. um and yeah i i love her like witty line of like what does he what does he say he's he says something about how many governesses they've gone through in the past like year or whatever and she's like well what's wrong with the children <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, like she's trying to be like playful, like she always is, and he's just like a tight wad, yeah. saluting to him, like Hillary was saying, saluting to him, and he's just like not having any of that. And then her using the whistle like back at him to get his <laughs> yeah. attention. 
Um, after she says it's too humiliating to be called by a whistle, hilarious. Um, and then when she's like going up the stairs after like the whole intro scene is over, um, she discovers the frog or toad or whatever. It looks more like a toad. She discovers the toad in her pocket that the kids put there and drops her guitar down like a bunch of stairs. And I was like, how is there no damage? Like, why is it just perfectly okay? You know, actually like those hard cases are, they're strong. Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I could see it having some damage or a string maybe popping, Mm -hmm. but like, I could see it still being fine, like in that kind of hard case, especially if there's like a like a strap in it to like strap it to the bottom of the case, then I could see I could see it being fine. Mm. But yeah, it it was definitely like a she like threw it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. The pranks are funny. So like, yeah, we get to the first dinner. And like they put that pine cone on the <laughs> on the chair, and she like yelps. <laughs> Poor Maria. It's like it's like the old school version of a whoopee cushion, basically. True. Um, but it's interesting because there's seven kids, and like we sort of get little glimpses into each of them, but like we mostly get to know Liesel, the mm. old, uh, oldest one, um, and she has that like classic transatlantic accent. Yeah. Um, and I wish people spoke like that still yeah that'd be great i mean it's just so classy if anyone has hillary hasn't but if anyone's watched Shit's creek that's like moira rose is sort of like transatlantic Mm, okay okay yeah i don't know i don't like i wonder what happened to that accent like why it sort of i don't know it it was definitely around for like most old hollywood actors like Mm -hmm. spoke like that yeah yeah um Oh, oh, yes. The part where she's like um, trying to get everybody to start praying. She's like, excuse me, Captain, haven't we forgotten to thank the Lord? And hit the look on his face. He's just like me. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's me whenever someone suggests that like we say grace because like I awkwardly like put my head down, roll my eyes and try not to laugh. Same. (laughs) Super mature. Um. But yeah, this whole scene is just hilarious because they start like crying. And then at the end, like he makes some comment. She's like, oh, no, they're just happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. So great. Yeah. And I I just I love that that's her tactic to like kind of make them feel guilty for being like assholes to her on her like first day. Genius tactic and like a good um kind of like first impression for them to like the kids to like kind of understand her like style of uh um nannying governess yeah. <laughs> I don't know um but you know it's sad that he uh that Georg the captain is such a like distant father in the beginning it's pretty sad to watch um like when he gets the te- telegram and notifies the kids that he's going to be leaving for Vienna and they're like oh no father again and it's like how many times has he gone and then they're like well how long will you be gone this time and it's like he's clearly not around like a lot and they're really disappointed by it but they just don't want him to know because yeah. they know that like 
well, they think that he doesn't care and that they'll be like disciplined for it. And right. they know that he's like visiting this other, this other quote unquote other woman, um, yeah. the Baroness Schrader. Um, it is sweet though that like when he says like, oh yeah, I'll be bringing her back this time. They're like all excited to meet her, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, yeah, it is like, cute. Like, it's not like they're just like, she's not my mom <laughs> like whatever. yeah because that's like the usual reaction that you see in movies yeah is that the the teens are like you know yeah yeah pissy right um and then of course in this scene liesel is like oh a telegram who delivered it because her boy toy rolf is in the picture exactly and so she sneaks away during dinner to meet him in the like on the grounds of their like mansion and um they meet at this gazebo and let me just say i kind of uh, this whole scene as a kid watching it i was like this song is so cute like yeah it's like it's a catchy song i like it but like of course as an adult you kind of one seeing it multiple times you obviously know rolf turns out to be a fucking nazi yep and like basically almost turns them in yeah he does turn them in but they like get away quick enough um so it's like obviously now like as an adult and someone who's seen the movie a couple times it's like ew like watching that scene is kind of painful but um yeah like Liesl is like so like before they even start singing the way she's talking to him is so like sickeningly sweet and I've of course like it's fair because she's 16 yeah as as the the song notes and I'm sure that like ways of interacting with a crush in the like 30s as this movie was set in like 1938 were obviously way different than like a current day (laughs) conversation would but like damn she acts like pretty juvenile in this scene and like i it it shows that she's like she's not she's she's acting this way for him mm-hmm. um so yeah and and of course like the lyrics of this song are yikes too like rolf is kind of a huge asshole with how he's talking to liesel like incredibly misogynistic trying to convince her that she's some sort of like delicate rose that needs a man's protection fully like belittling and condescending her and using it as a tactic for her to like fall in love with him and he's like getting exactly what he wants however i do love the choreography in this scene it's probably like the most well choreographed yeah in the movie um and i love the gazebo setting it's like such a cool like way to way to frame a scene and like a cool set piece to use to like dance off of as they do and of course like the rainstorm when it starts raining like in the middle of the song it makes it very magical seeming Mm -hmm. um and then of course speaking of secondhand embarrassment as hillary has oh i find the it's so cringy at the end when they kiss and he, he like runs away and lisa's like like ew stop yeah it's so bad like oh man when i was re-watching it when that part came on i like had to like look away yeah <laughs> basically but i guess like i mean it's just like an over exaggerated way that like a teenager would react to like yeah having their i guess first kiss. yeah you're not gonna say we or whatever <laughs> but you might like 
do a jig or something. I don't a know. A jig. Yeah. <laughs> Tape talk dance or something. <laughs> the, yeah. The, uh, I'm like aging myself. I was about to say like the Dougie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying about like how kind of condescending he is. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of gross, like how misogynistic the lyrics are that he's saying towards her. But then also like she's sort of like infantilizing herself too um true and then but it's funny because she talks about like oh I'll, I'll need someone older and wiser to depend on but like in reality she's the one that's like you know is wiser because she doesn't like run off with him or anything like when like right. they're like the family's running away like she decides to like stay with her family like even though she still like like had feelings for him she was mm-hmm. like she recognized that like he's going down like a dark path so She's actually the wiser one. True. So fuck you, Rolf. Yeah, you um, but the twat. Cho- yeah, the cor- the choreo obviously is like very good. Like I love how they're dancing off those benches and mm-hmm. doing the twirls and everything. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because Rolf is seventeen. We don't really see what happens to him like as he ages and as the war progresses and everything. Right. Um, but we can definitely predict that he probably does some heinous shit. Yeah. As an um, but it's interesting because some German soldiers in World War II were like considered like, oh, they're just like regular dudes, regular soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, that just sort of became a part of this like genocidal regime. And I think maybe that's what they're sort of showing with Rolf that he's just like a regular teen and then he just like goes off. True. Nazi. True. But they all like they do show that like he clearly sympathized with the like the whole regime before even joining the forces because like yeah. he when he's like I don't know, he's like throwing rocks at Liesl's window and the captain comes up and he's like what are you doing and he literally is like so flustered he's just like hail Hitler and like does the hand oh, yeah. symbol I'm like ew um yeah so he clearly I don't know had some sort of sympathy for it mm-hmm. as, as a as a mere courier or whatever right yeah gross um yeah so then um Liesel's like trying to sneak back in after the rainstorm and climbs up like I don't know like a trellis to get mm-hmm. in, into Maria's room <laughs> I don't know what like did she think that she wouldn't notice like <laughs> yeah um but yeah so then we get to uh, my favorite things because the thunderstorm continues and the kids all come in yada 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 um my first comment on this song I do not understand why this is considered a Christmas song. I don't get it either. Everyone plays this song at Christmas. And like, I just do not understand how that originated. Like, at first I was like, I don't know why. So Judy Garland has like this famous Christmas special. And I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, maybe she sang that in like her Christmas special because she sings a bunch of songs that aren't like that or like her whole family in the specials in it and they sing some songs that aren't Christmas songs but I looked up the track list for the the Christmas special and it's not on there so I was like I don't know what that was about like I don't know where that started maybe it's from some of the lyrics does she does she talk about 
I know she talks about schnitzel. Does she talk about tinsel? Like, or mm, like, maybe there might be like some sort of Christmassy imagery, maybe, and maybe that's why. But I agree, like, it has nothing to do with yeah. like Christmas. And the movie is not a classic like Christmas movie because those are the ones oh. that are like they take place during Christmas, even if yeah. it's not like Christmas themed, like Die Hard is considered a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes place in, in that time. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's not even, it's during the summer. Like, yeah. I don't know. But that was my first thing. I was like, why is, I don't understand. But again, another classic song. I think that the scene before the song starts between Liesl and Maria is very sweet because Maria obviously knows um, like what Liesl has been doing. Like she knows that she's been canoodling or mm-hmm. s- doing something. Um, but as Liesl says, she doesn't need a governess. So and Maria says, well, then we'll just be good friends. And as her friend and not her governess, she guides her and tries to help her without trying to like punish her in any way um, or reprimand her. Um, and then of course, like in my favorite thing, uh, my favorite things, I love that like, even though they've only known her for a day, they still feel comfortable enough to run to her room when they're scared of the storm. But again, on the flip side, kind of sad that they don't feel comfortable running to their father when they're scared. Um, And then uh, just just a comment about the lyrics. The one I was like really listening to the lyrics this time because I was like trying to understand why her favorite things were her favorite things. And I was like, yeah, like brown paper packages, like receiving gifts or parcels. Like, that's fun. I like that, too. But doorbells. What? Yeah, that was the one where I was like yeah i don't understand you (laughs) that's a good point i guess i haven't like listened super close to all the things that she says Mm. um but yeah oh okay maybe the christmas thing she says something about sleigh bells too so maybe that could be another christmas connect right right okay yeah i it's interesting that that you talk about how like the kids don't feel like they go to her which is good but they don't feel comfortable going like to their father and it's just mm-hmm. yeah that's just that's one of those things that happens when you parent like that you know because you basically tell your kids that like if you have a problem just suck it up or deal right. with it or be strong like that's kind of usually what the messaging is with that with that kind of parenting style yeah. it happened a lot with like the uh, families that I worked with mm-hmm. it was always like the kid wouldn't feel comfortable going to the more authoritarian parent um so yeah, it is kind of sad. Um, but yeah, the lyrics, again, a lot of imagery, um, mm-hmm. like really pretty sounding like images come up like schnitzel with noodles. Like, come on. <laughs> um, I kind of want that after that. I know, I'm like, I'm not entirely sure what that even is, but well, like, sh- sounds good. Schnitzel's like a, it's like fried breaded meat. So there's Wiener schnitzel, which is oh. veal. And then there's like chicken schnitzel and you can do pork schnitzel. It's like a flattened uh, slice of meat and then it's breaded and then it's fried. So it's kind of like chicken parm. Mm. Um, Mm. Yeah. Um, Oh, and again, with the secondhand embarrassment, it just keeps happening. Like when she's singing, she's dancing around with the kids and then she just like bumps into the captain. I'm like, that's it you're just so awkward everything for you is second embarrassment (laughs) yeah it's true 
Um, but yeah, this song is everywhere too. Like you said, it's weirdly played at Christmas and Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. Her Seven Rings song is like the melodies um, based on this melody. And it, I don't know. I don't really like that song that much. Yeah. I, 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 I like fine. Ariana, but that song is kind of like, nah. Not yeah. your best. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, obviously, Captain walks in, breaks up the party. <laughs> and uh, then he leaves for Vienna. And Maria is left to kind of care for the kids and get to know them and teach them her ways. And so she <laughs> she makes them their curtain play clothes. Yeah. And they go out to, like, the village of Salzburg. And um sing she she teaches them uh about music basically because they really don't know anything about it and about the solfege scale of do re mi blah 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 and just about the like touring them around Salzburg I I just love that like she's showing them around her home like there's like a part where they pass over like a little walking bridge and they're all looking this one way and Maria's like no no like look over here and I was like cute yeah Um, Like, they're probably all so sheltered and, like, hardly probably have ever left the grounds of their home. And she is showing them around what is their home, but they know nothing about it. Um, And then, of course, ultimately brings them to seemingly what looks like the same sort of mountain area that she was singing on in the first scene. Um, And teaches them about the music. And, of course, the song is genius. Probably used, like, all over the world to teach the solfege scale i know that's how i learned um in my like little like elementary school chorus classes or whatever um but the song is so fun they use the entire like village landscape to sing it too um and i didn't notice before i guess this it makes sense but i guess this scene or this song is sung over like multiple days in the captain's like multiple day absence because they change outfits like a couple times in different locations um and i just like never (laughs) never noticed that yeah it's more of a montage i guess yeah yeah Yeah. um unless it was just like a very active one day but i doubt it (laughs) um and of course cannot gloss over the fact that julie fucking andrews just casually and iconically goes up three fucking octaves to sing the last notes of this song i know like cool me too yeah i i had a similar reaction to that like hitting that final note yeah like fuck man (laughs) like it's crazy (laughs) um this is another one of those songs that gets stuck in my head at least once a week. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's like a it's it's a great tool to use to teach like the Western C major scale, basically. Yeah. Um, but OK, so this is interesting because I I don't know how like I don't know what it's called, I guess, um, when like musicals have songs that are like that don't really explain the plot or the character's motivations versus songs that do those things. I don't know if there's a name for that, mm. but this song is an example of that. It's just, she's teaching them this do re mi stuff and like how to manipulate the scale to make like other variations. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lyrical content, it doesn't drive the plot. It doesn't yeah. like 
talk about her internal motivations or her desires. There's, it's not like an I want song or whatever. Yeah. So I, I don't I like and I find that there's more of the, this type of song in this musical than like, mm. let's say like Les Mis, where it's like, oh, well, the dialogue is all singing. Right. Well, yeah, because that, that's like a song through musical. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But even still, like, the, it's more like the music is used to, like, complement versus, like, drive the narrative. True. Well, it makes sense, too, because the plot is already, like, it's a real s- sort of real story. So it's like, yeah. they don't have to, like, drive the plot with music because it's already right. an established plot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something I, like noticed Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's a like word for like that but i'm sure Mm -hmm. there is i just don't know it yeah but yeah interesting um and then of course like right after that happens um it uh we like skip to a scene with um georg the captain and um max his his buddy max i don't really know what their like historical like relationship is like how he knows them but um max and baroness schrader and they're in their car and they pass by this tree this like line of trees and my comment was just like what the hell how did these kids get into those trees because after this most recent rewatch i noticed that there are literally no low branches like the lowest branch is probably like four feet up. <laughs> so I don't understand like They're what was going on into the trees. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Julie Andrews and her like long ass legs like <laughs> catapulted herself and the kids into the trees. Yeah. Um, but also about the scene, kind of nice to like, of course, see laid back Georg conversing in a more like casual way mm-hmm. in these scenes when he's talking to max and um i think her name is elsa i'll just refer to her as elsa yeah. um her to max and elsa and you you see like his true character taking form and like it's exposing itself a little bit in these scenes rather than just like this crotchety old like sea captain with the stick yeah. up his ass um, yeah he's more flirty and like playful yeah like he's yeah. witty he's just like maria like his con his wit is like similar to maria's but you just don't know it until these scenes right um and um it's interesting because you kind of again he kind of exposes more of his character when rolf comes around to deliver the telegram and of course does his little salute to hitler Mm -hmm. and max is kind of being pretty cavalier and blase about the fact that like the nazis are invading the country and taking over the like government and georg is like i don't want to fucking hear you talk like that like near me basically and like doesn't want max to be so complacent that people have like shitty opinions and shitty politics yeah yeah it's and that is interesting because yeah he's sort of really complacent at least like for most of the movie until the end, I guess, because like he sort of aids in their escape and everything, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, like he could have turned them in, but he doesn't. But yeah, he's definitely complacent. But okay, <laughs> I don't. I'm not the only one who's apparently thought this. So with Max, and they call him Uncle Max. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't think he's related to <laughs> Georg. No. Um, but I mean, a lot of kids call like 
family friends like uncle or aunt so it's Mm -hmm. pretty normal but um okay i only got this vibe recently while rewatching it like that there could be like some weird like queer coding going on with max like he's um like an unmarried man in the 1930s he sets up the family at a singing festival he's always kind of like scheming with the baroness like and obviously this is sort of like stereotypes of gay men right um but but like obvious stereotypes that they would have used right queer code yeah yeah and so like i i literally like looked it up because i was like am i crazy am i just like reading into this too much but apparently i'm not the only one who's like caught on to this like there are other people that have like speculated that max would have been both jewish and gay which is which is weird because of like his complacency like you'd think right wouldn't be as complacent but then again like maybe he's just sort of like hiding Mm. his identities i don't know um but yeah (laughs) it's just interesting like obviously we don't actually know if the character is supposed to be jewish and or gay but like right something that i noticed in this rewatch yeah and i had never really like put those thoughts into my head like i never really thought about it but i guess in the like back of my mind it it obviously makes sense Mm -hmm. like i was skimming through your notes last night and i saw that comment and i was like oh my god totally like (laughs) absolutely (laughs) Um, it definitely makes sense. And I would say that like, they definitely probably were. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, um, Max and, uh, Georg and Elsa are all having this conversation and la-di-da, they're like, where are the children? What's going on? And they pull up in a little rowboat basically. Mm-hmm. And they're still singing like do re me or something. Yeah. And, um, they're all like, oh my God, dad. And um, they fall off the boat and have to like swim ashore to greet him. And apparently, again, another like a tidbit of information I heard from a Julie Andrews interview. Um, apparently the girl who, the little girl who played Gretel could not swim. And so the director of the film Robert Wise told Julie to make sure to fall forward along with the little girl so that she could grab her so that like she wouldn't like basically drown or like just like Uh whatever and of course Julie fell backwards and the girl you can see the girl like comes out of the water and she's like grabbing onto the boat with like dear life (laughs) after she falls of course she ends up she's fine but like a funny little tidbit um and uh, just another observation of when he, when Georg is like introducing his children to the Baroness, how he introduced, like the, the disparity between how he introduces the Baroness to the children versus how he introduces the children to the Baroness. Like right. he visibly smiles and has like this sweet tone of voice when saying her name, but frowns, like literally frowns and gets like super tense when he's saying like, these are my children yeah like Mm. Georg get it together my god yeah I guess maybe he's like maybe he has like uh like maybe a self-image problem like maybe he is like slightly embarrassed by the children and wants to like present himself and his children as like these perfect 
little beings. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe. Especially like he's dating this really rich woman from Vienna. True. I mean, he's rich too, but maybe she's even more. I think she's more wealthy. Yeah. Um. So maybe it's like an image thing. I don't know. Maybe. It's still very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, um, he sends the children in to like clean, dry off and clean up and whatever. And he's like, Maria, you better stay here. And they get into like this little, not little, big argument. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, um, it's only really like stopped by the kids hearing him, hearing the kids like singing the sound of music. Um, and it's just interesting to me that she is like, so in I Have Confidence, she says like one of the like first couple of lines that she says is like, I'm seeking the courage I lack. Mm-hmm. But she really shows like literally no fear in this scene to point yeah. out this the shortcomings of not only like, I feel like you would have to have balls to do that no matter what, but like you you see his character in that first scene when they meet that he's like this kind of hard ass like kind of rude short person um and she no matter like his character whatever she's like i you have to know that like you're not fathering your children well Mm -hmm. and then of course i love at the end of their little argument that um, he has a little slip of the tongue and calls her captain. Yeah. Which is funny. I love that. Um, I know that um, the sound of music isn't actually a, a um, like the song itself isn't actually like an Austrian folk song, but I guess like in the context of the movie, it's supposed to be like seen as that because when the kids are singing it and Georg walks in, he starts singing along and he just like knows right. the words. I was like, interesting. Um. And I know that it's not actually Christopher Plummer singing this song, but I love the the, the singing voice of the mm-hmm. person dubbing him Bill Lee. I think it's like his voice is very like smooth and beautiful. Yeah. Um, but you know, interesting that song is like the only like the one thing that like really breaks him out of his like shitty dad routine. Um, like it literally he changes in a matter of seconds from like this dickhead to like loving father and they all hug and like I don't know it was touching but you know still sad yeah um but yeah you know I I, it makes sense because it makes him think of like happier days with his wife um because I guess I don't know if they say this in the movie but I thought for some reason like the the wife his like first wife who died like was very musical too and that's why he like never let music into the house I think something. that's I think that's said at yeah. some point maybe by one of the kids yeah or something um, like but I, I think I read that the original wife like died of scarlet fever yikes um yeah I mean I'm I, sort of gonna echo sort of what you said about the argument and how she's so like gutsy and she does not have any like reservations about calling him out on his bullshit his bullshit parenting style and yeah i just i love that part and i, I just love how, how he calls her captain <laughs> so good it's such a nice way to end that little argument between the two of them yeah um 
Yeah, and when he starts singing the song, I guess we're supposed to like think that it's like a well-known song. Mm-hmm. It's similarly with Edelweiss, I think that's supposed to be like an Austrian song, right? Because they all start yeah. singing it in- at the festival. Yeah, and I'm such an idiot. Like a few years ago, when I watched this, I thought that was like a real Austrian song. I googled <laughs> that too. I go. I didn't yeah. actually think it was like an Austrian song, but I googled something about it yesterday, and <laughs> the the search results they were like, no, Edelweiss is not the national anthem of Austria. I was like, who thought that? Yeah, no, I didn't think that. I just thought like, oh, it, did it come from like an Austrian yeah. folk tune or something? Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't. <laughs> but I did learn that the word, like the flower or something, yeah. it basically is like, it, it means like, it, it's supposed to be a symbol for like devotion or something, right. which is exactly what the song is about. Devotion to Austria and their motherland i guess yeah um so then georg is like you know what maria you're totally right like i need to change you need to stay um and bring more music into the house and so that's exactly what she does and which leads us into the uh lonely goat herd scene one of my faves solely because of julie's vocal abilities it's so crazy the the last like little like stanza of the the song mm-hmm. when she does the like yodelay, yodelay, mm-hmm. like the really high i'm like damn bitch like the runs that she does like yeah. she she skips from like one octave to the other mm-hmm. in a yodel which is like yeah. a very very infinitesimal amount of time mm-hmm. um of course, the puppets are really, really cool. I love them. I guess, like, Uncle Max is like, has gifted them this, like, puppet set. I did wonder if it was actually the kids, like, doing the puppetry because they, like, show, like, them doing, like, little hand motions with the little, like, wood stuff, yeah. but they don't actually show, like, both at the same time, like, yeah. the puppets and that. So I was like, I wonder if they actually did do this because it's, like, a pretty intense skill. So I doubt it, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so after that um, song, Baroness Schrader is like already giving some like indication that she knows like she should keep an eye on Maria and Georg. Like they're, they're like talking to each other after the kids leave the room and uh, Maria and Georg are. And Baron the, the Elsa is like darting her eyes between them and makes a comment about Maria getting her tips from herself about being a good mother and like it's she's clearly just trying to like sell herself to Georg and be like yeah. look I, I'm I could give this like nanny tips on how to be a good mother like look at me I'm mm-hmm. I'm mother material I'm wife material oh Elsa girl um yeah this song is yeah this is another one that I said earlier is always stuck in my head like I'll randomly just start humming it when I'm like making breakfast (laughs) it just I don't know why um but yeah the crazy runs that she does at the end is just insane like it just sounds it's just so hard to sing but apparently I read that her yodeling was not considered like authentic yodeling 
Um, not not shocking, but yeah. Um, still but impressive. Still very impressive, and even the kids too, because the kids are doing some of the yodeling too. Yeah, like Liesel has like a little solo part too. Yeah, yeah, and that and I don't know which other one. Some one of the younger ones too. Yeah, and yodeling is like a specific way of like singing. So yeah, and it like involves like breaking your voice from head to chest like a lot in mm-hmm. in a very fast um manner. yeah flipping yeah one to the other yeah um but yeah i feel like the puppetry like you were saying like i i feel like i doubt it doing but that because that is cool. yeah because that's that's hard like to control those things like especially in the it was so intricately done mm-hmm. like with yeah. the goats and the and the little people yeah a lot of characters came in and out um yeah um so then they go into like that little sitting room again after the lonely goat herd and they're like "Ooh, another song more music who should we hear from daddy (laughs) i don't know why i said that (laughs) um but yeah they're like father sing and he's like no like oh my god don't make me sing and then of course he sings (laughs) he like picks up the guitar (laughs) yeah um of course love that his song choice as we were talking about is a song about like his love of austria his devotion to austria fully a love song to the country that he ends up having to flee from right um and interestingly enough i i know i keep mentioning like that it's not him actually singing but there is a version of this exact like i guess they just dubbed over like like the timing of his singing um with bill lee's vocals so like you can look up a version of this scene on YouTube that is actually Christopher Plummer singing. And he doesn't, he doesn't sound that bad. He does. He's like a little bit shaky, but like, yeah. he sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. Like if he, cause he's probably singing live, like when, he, when they're filming it. So like if they had yeah. been in a studio recording, like I'm sure most of the other songs or all of the other songs were like, yeah. he probably would have sounded really good. So that's true. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he just didn't want to, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. So look that up if you're interested. Yeah. Yeah. So with the Edelweiss song, yeah, we talked about it a little, little a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's it's just shows how important like Austria is to Georg. And it's again, it's like we later hear it in the festival in a different context too. Yeah. Um, but like this scene where like peeling back the layers yeah onions have layers mm-hmm. ogres have layers georg has layers like an ogre uh, basically <laughs> um but it's a nice like vulnerable moment for him and he's like starting to open up to his children more through song and that's sort of like his medium to like express himself through music yeah. and it's cool how like maria slowly like her presence sort of like slowly brings that out of him again yeah I do find it weird I I was just I I didn't even make a comment about this but I was just thinking about how weird it is like that he's so opposed to like his children singing in public like Max is like oh like we should have them in the festival the Von Trapp family singers and he's like my children will not sing in public and I'm like what why is that the line you draw I don't know just a weird comment that's true it's interesting um so then at the end of the scene oh, a bug just flew onto my screen um at the end of the scene um 
Elsa is like, we should throw a party, of course, because she's very much the party gal. And so they do. And the party happens and blah, blah, blah. And the kids are like doing a little dance outside. And Maria comes out and is like, hey, what you doing? And the Lendler, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Landler, Lendler. Yeah. I don't know. Basically like a very famous um, Austrian dance. Um, the song starts playing and Maria, the kids are like, what's that? And so Maria starts dancing it alone and Georg comes out and is like, let me join you, queen. (sighs) Guys, (laughs) you can tell like from the instant they start dancing together that, I mean, they don't really show a lot of Georg's face in the scene, more Maria's, but like you can tell that she's like, butt crazy, what the hell is going on? Like in love with him. Um, And of course... (sighs) Elsa has to walk in ruin the fun (laughs) um but I do love her like snide comments they're just like kind of funny um because Georg is like oh I I guess like well first she says like oh you guys make a lovely couple and it's like girl relax yeah and then um I guess like they had a conversation before the party about like, oh, Georg doesn't, he won't be able to like find a friend at the party. And she's like, well, you seem to find a friend at the party. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, is it, it kind of cold outside? And she's like, no, it seemed rather warm to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> girl. And he just, oh, like, he just like gives her a look and then they just, he just like walks away or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, her snide comments are so great. But like, I guess I'll get into that my like little opinions of her later but mm-hmm. yeah that's so funny but yeah the 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 tension mm-hmm. with maria and georg you can cut that with a knife true like holy shit but mm-hmm. it, it's interesting like how she like backs away from him because like you can tell like she's so conflicted because she realizes like oh shit like i have like romantic feelings for this man mm-hmm. but i'm a nun <laughs> like yeah. and I it's can't <laughs> it's like i wonder if she has ever been in love to the point where maybe her shock was also like what am i feeling right now like what's going right. on yeah yeah because we don't know much of her past like we don't know if she ever had any sort of like childhood flings or anything like that right and i'm guessing she's supposed to be pretty young too so mm-hmm. um yeah, so there's a conflict between, like, her, like, feelings and then also, like, the vows of chastity and Whoops. celibacy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like uh-oh. Yeah. Yikes. Um, so, yeah, the party goes on and they are, like, kids, it's time for bed. Like, you got to go. And so they have their little number prepared for the end of the mm-hmm. night again a great song so cute um kurt hitting that little high note when he sings goodbye and then um i don't know why i always i i get chills like in random songs in random like places like Mm -hmm. i've told you this before this is random but like hillary when i listen to like the hunchback of notre dame like the Mm -hmm. that beginning song the end part when he's he he hits that high note bitch i get chills so Mm -hmm. much 
And I don't know why, but in at the end of this song, when the rest of like the party guests sing back goodbye oh, yeah. to mm-hmm. the kids, it like gives me chills. They yeah, all, they just like all sound so good. I was like, oh, oh my god. Yeah, they do. They all sound like perfect in unison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also made the funny observation that they didn't even like clap when the song was over. They literally immediately oh, yeah. just like turn back to each other and start like conversing as if nothing happened. So I was like, True. what is that? Um, and then of course we get the standoff between Air Zeller, I don't know, and Georg um about the Austrian flag, because he's like he has the Austrian flag. Um, Georg <laughs> has the Austrian flag hanging in um the hall at his party. Yeah. And Arizella is just like being a dick, making comments about the Anschluss and mm-hmm. how it's coming and blah, blah, blah. And of course, like Georg's coming back with those freaking zingers. And um, I don't know what he like says, but Arizella's like uh, response is like, oh, you flatter me. And Georg is like, oh, how clumsy of me. I meant to accuse you. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like snaps for Georg. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, they, like, invite Maria to come down to the party and, like, join after the kill- the kids are asleep. And Baroness Schrader's like, let me go be a little snake and, like, help, quote, unquote, Maria get dressed. Um, and she, like, which I understand why, because she's, like, wants her chance with Georg but she makes Maria feel so like little by saying that Georg like she she's like oh he thinks he's in love with you and he'll get over it soon like she literally says those things to her that's true and then convinces Maria to leave like bitch you're not gonna get what you want yeah so like I don't know what you're doing it's very much giving me Meredith from Parent Trap vibes especially later on when um after Maria leaves like they're like the kids are like playing with her and then she's talking to Max and she literally says she's gonna send the kids to boarding school I was like bitch so Meredith like I wonder if um the Parent Trap or at least the modern one was inspired by that I don't know Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, the So Long Farewell song, um, whenever somebody says farewell to me, mm-hmm. which isn't a regular thing, but if somebody ever says farewell, I start humming the song, basically. Um, but it's interesting how this instance versus, like, the reprise, like, how it's in that the two different contexts. Like, yeah. Here, they're just, you know, going to bed. It's surrounded by, like, whimsy and innocence. And then later on, it's like, they're actually saying bye. <laughs> yeah, like, forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you mentioned that, like, standoff between Herzeller and Georg. And mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I just, like, I don't think I ever really paid attention God, to that no. conversation. Because it's, like, mm, two adults talking, give me more <laughs> of the singing. Yeah. Um, but shit, like... he's like really coming back with those quips like yeah i was like like super like proud of him basically Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. yeah you call him out on his nazi bullshit Mm -hmm. um but yeah the baroness okay so all the things that she's doing like are obviously like 
super sneaky and like conniving and just like she's obviously desperate yeah um so she's a bitch in a way but not entirely because like she she does come around in the end and and realizes that like Georg isn't in love with her and she sort of knows it yeah like from the beginning and like I could see her motivations because she's just trying to like save her like relationship um and also like yeah she does she is sort of like the um spark to get Maria to like leave but at the same time like you can tell Maria is conflicted at the like at the ball because she's like oh shit like I have feelings for this dude and like even uh, as a nun she sort of is like struggling with that so like yeah Elsa is like uh, like plays a part in her leaving but I also think it's Maria too because she's like I can't like stay here and like cause more issues with my feelings if I'm supposed to be a nun and she even talks about like needing to leave the home because she couldn't like be near him and like the reverend mother even makes a comment about like what like you you just use us to like run away to basically you're using us to hide like Mm -hmm. so so yeah like it's like Elsa but also Maria's own internal conflicts that sort of drives her yeah yeah I definitely don't think like the Baron I'll talk about this later but like yeah Mm -hmm. I definitely don't think Elsa's like an evil character I obviously see why she acts the way she does Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm Maria's girl well yeah obviously (laughs) um so then we get to the intermission which I just love I think it's so funny and silly like it's really common for old Mm -hmm movies and particularly like old movie musicals um but it's like why keep it in if it's literally like 10 seconds like I know that like it's a movie so they don't want to like drag it on like I don't know maybe in theaters the intermission was actually like an intermission and they would stop the movie like when it came out in the 60s Mm, I don't know but like an intermission is supposed to be like when you get up and like stretch your legs it's like I'm not gonna do that in 10 seconds why is this here (laughs) yeah I wonder if you're right that like and maybe like the versions that we're watching maybe it's like truncated or something like maybe in theaters that whole like um musical the on number during act or whatever yeah like maybe that was like 10 minutes or something but then like for the like for streaming and when it was released released on VHS, maybe they just like truncated it. But then yeah. again, you're right. Like why even keep it in to begin with? In I mean, I, I guess it's just like for like posterity, like they just want to keep it in, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, but about intermissions, yeah. They were common with the older <laughs> movie musicals. Um, yeah. But I love how this is like parodied. Um, so like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was a, came out in the 70s and they parodied Justice. that whole like mid movie intermission and they have like that crazy like organ music in the background yeah. with, like the flashing screen that's like changing colors. Yeah. So funny. And like, they stop it like in the middle of a scene too. Like it's not like <laughs> a logical place to put an intermission. It's like no. I think it's like while they're cross crossing the bridge of death or something. Yeah. That's- intermission is again another movie that if you have not seen like what the hell are you doing with your life yeah you need to see it anyway (laughs) after the intermission 
Maria is back at the Abbey. She's taken some sort of like vow of silence. Like no one knows why she's even back. <laughs> um, and oh, again, sorry if you hear the barking. Um, but the kids come to the Abbey and they're like, we need to talk to Maria. Like, this is not okay. <laughs> and uh, I think it's like Sister Margareta. And she's like, sorry, like she's being like kind of sus right now like you gotta go like I can't even talk to her so I'll tell her you stop by (laughs) but then um mother abbess the mother abbess is like who was that like were those the kids and then she's just like okay enough is enough even if Marie is not ready like she needs to talk to me and then of course um ensues climb every mountain yeah so I'm gonna be honest I've said I've said this earlier but I really this is the only song in the whole movie that I just do not care for, which is funny because this is the only song that our father, who we call Wad, this is the only song that Wad ever sings. Like, like out of this movie, he sings like Do Re Mi or Climb Every Mountain. One time we were on a walk and he just would not stop singing it. And he didn't even know the words. I was so pissed. <laughs> but I, I don't know why I don't like this song. I it's just not it's not for me um but apparently part of this song aren't actually um parts of this song aren't actually sung by peggy wood the woman who plays mother abbess um it's unclear which parts are actually her and i've tried to like kind of look it up more but it, it doesn't really say um apparently i think it's some of the high notes at the end um they're actually right. dubbed by i think I, I think it was like the p- pianist's like the rehearsal b- pianist like wife oh. um <clears throat> which is interesting but and I read that the Peggy Wood actually didn't like the lyrics of this song apparently she thought that they were like pretentious and that's why hmm. they shot it like as most of the song is like her silhouette right I don't know that's what I read but interesting hmm. um I don't really think it's pretentious I don't know why she thought it was that way but yeah interesting um i do like that like of course the mother abbess just wants what's best for maria and she knows that that's not at the abbey and she's like this the abbey is not a place to shut out your problems and you need to face them and i guess that is like the point of the song you have to like forge through some like Mm -hmm. heinous shit to like get to find something good right but yeah overall not a huge fan <laughs> yeah I, I like the song it's not my favorite but I, I I do like it I mean I kind of you you mentioned like chill moments I do get chills at those like high notes at the end really yeah um okay my my funny comment is um because like part of Maria's decision is like you know to be a, a nun or not to be chased or not to mm-hmm. live a life of celibacy or not so i don't know climb that d maria <laughs> <laughs> yeah the mother abbess is like you go girl exactly <laughs> <laughs> but so there's a lot of symbolism with hills and mountains throughout the entire movie um look like the hills are alive climb every mountain and apparently mountains are symbols for like divine inspiration closeness to god transcendence Mm. um so even though um the reverend mother is like a really pious woman she 
recognizes like the divinity in Maria's own path, mm. um, even though it's no longer going to be in the Abbey or as a nun. So I find I found it interesting that like Maria has her own like spirituality and divinity with nature and all that. Like she talks about like always being like called to nature and everything. So Mm -hmm. um, the Reverend Mother is sort of just like talking about how you have to like find your own path, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is it's probably like more of like I find it comforting I guess is the word that she is still like she again yeah like you said she's this very like religious pious woman but she recognizes that like not everyone like God's plan isn't that everyone should like be a nun and like follow the word of God to the ends of the earth whatever um and I feel like it's kind of like progressive in a way like her way of Mm -hmm. like thinking and guiding Maria um which is cool um so yeah then after uh the uh climb every mountain scene maria's like okay you've convinced me i gotta go back um and so she is um going to return but before that happens um of course like the baroness is talking to max and they're talking to the children and the children find out that the baroness and georg are engaged um and it's just so annoying like elsa's so like smug that she's engaged to georg and (laughs) yeah i just find it annoying (laughs) it is it is and of course like uh maria's kind of like shook to find out that they're engaged when she returns and um it's so sad when she's like she she does return and she's like i'm back and she thinks it's like for good and then she finds out they're engaged and um georg is like i assume that you're staying or whatever and she's like only until you can find another governess i was like no don't leave again i know um so then of course um maria um is kind of seen like later on in that day i guess marie is kind of like pensively walking through the grounds of the house um of the property and georg is like watching her from his balcony and uh elsa walks up on him and is like she obviously sees what he's doing what he's watching and kind of like is making her last like ditch efforts to like save her own like skin i guess yeah. by like talking about wedding gifts and like honeymoon plans and yeah. <laughs> and georg's like girl just stop what does he like, say i think he says there's no use or something yeah yeah which is sad but she knows and mm-hmm. i i definitely respect her for bowing out of her own accord like at the right time and of course she like like she knew it was a lost cause and that it was time to leave but i I love that she like tries to like save face and she's like, well, she turns it on him and she's like, well, you're not the right man for me anyway. So like, it's good that you yeah. don't, like love me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she kind of has to like self-preservation. Yeah. Right? Cause otherwise you'll sort of like despair if you right. don't like sort of like at least have a little bit of denial to be in with like, oh, well, no, you're, you're just not good for me. It's like a way to sort of like, it's a, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Um, so Elsa leaves, Georg is like, okay, I gotta follow Maria out into the grounds and tell her that I love her. And, um, 
uh, For Good is the next song. This song, I know that you have a different opinion. I read your comment <laughs> yesterday and I was in shock. But to be fair, I didn't actually really care about this song until I probably like was in high school and rewatched it. And I was like, oh my God, I love this song. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just like not one of the exciting, like upbeat mm-hmm. ones. Um, but it's literally my favorite song from the whole movie. I listen to this song all the time. Um, and also, interestingly, an original written for the movie. Um, it replaced like another kind of like love song that was in the stage version, version called um, An Ordinary Couple. Um, and I, I, I thank God because I love this song. Yeah. I really don't know what it is. Um, another like chills moment for me. And it's so weird, like this random word, but the way that Bill Lee sings the last or childhood in mm-hmm. the song gives me such goosebumps. His voice in that, like just when he says those two words is so smooth and beautiful. And he hits those notes so clearly yeah. and well. I always get chills at that that specific line. Hmm. Um and of course like I love the sh- the the way that the the scene is shot um again in the gazebo such a great again a great place for these types of scenes um and yeah. they're like silhouetted in like the kind of like dusky light. Um and of course the song itself is so sweet like basically what did I deserve um what did I do to, to like, deserve, like, you in my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the reasons why, like, this song doesn't, like, I don't know. I guess it, I, I always, like, forget that the song's in it, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not memorable like the other ones. But, like, it's still beautiful. And um, the, the lighting is great and the silhouette shot like at the end of the song is really pretty um and I didn't write this down because I just started thinking about it but it's like an interesting contrast um with the other gazebo scene with Liesl and Rolf true um, because here we have a more mature like couple love song moment versus their 16 going on 17 where they're, they're doing all these crazy dances and all that it's like very youthful and then you have um maria and georg and it's like more subdued it's more mature um they're like reflective so i i just sort of started thinking about that now but it's an interesting contrast even the content of the songs is so like opposite like yeah he like rolf and liesel are like talking about well liesel is like oh i need you in my life and like mm-hmm you will protect me and blah 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 and maria and uh georg are like perhaps i had a wicked childhood like perhaps there was something bad that happened to me in the past that like led me to you that gave me like this good karma basically so it's like yeah such a difference Mm -hmm. um but yeah i love that song and then I mean, we don't really see like an engagement, an official engagement, but of course it's implied. So then the next scene is the wedding. Yeah. Um, which uh she looks snatched. She <laughs> looks so good in that dress. She yeah. has like this snatched tiny little waist. And of course, like they have that like kind of aerial view of her long like veil. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like this like incredibly gorgeous ornate church. Yeah. 
I definitely used to cry like every time I watched this scene, but I held it together this time. Um, I do find that them, like the nuns, like for, I, I don't know why the nuns are like behind these like weird bars. I like, I'm sure there's like some sort of like religious rule or reason why, oh, yeah. but they're like, <laughs> they like close this like gate in front of them. Right. Um, and they're singing Maria over her, like walking down the aisle, which I don't know. I found a very <laughs> weird choice. Like why that song? It doesn't really fit with the vibe in my opinion. That's a good point. I'm trying to think why, like, so when we first, you know, see the Abbey and Maria at the Abbey and they're, they're talking about her in this way. And I guess maybe this is like, a flip on that like she's yeah, at like the she's abbey but she's marrying she's doing one of the holy sacraments versus like um becoming a nun so maybe it's just like an i don't know yeah i don't know it's like maybe she's like fulfilling her purpose of like she's like doing exactly what they thought she should be doing and that's why they're singing it again i don't know but i was like i just don't know about the vibes <laughs> No, I agree because, like, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Like, right. she's she literally like <laughs> marching down the aisle in this like beautiful dress, and there's like hundreds of people. It's like a big wedding, and yeah. they're like, "How do you solve a problem like Maria? Like, <laughs> what? Okay, yeah, that's a very good point. And I guess I just sort of like, I honestly let never it fly, even, but I yeah. never really took stock of it before watching it this time yeah yeah um with the wedding scene um it's like in the movie timeline it's mm -hmm. like around the same time as the Anschluss right. whatever the fuck you say it sorry German is not my yeah. first language um or any yeah I yeah <laughs> I can count to 10 and that's it oh better than me <laughs> yeah that's six, sixth grade Eastridge Three you months took of German. German? Well, because we had to choose, right? We had we we were able to like take all three for like three months each, and then we chose for seventh grade. Uh, they stopped doing that. So yeah. A anyway. Yeah. Anyways, off topic. <laughs> um. But yeah, that that was sort of like the peaceful quote unquote annexation of um Austria right. by Germany. So like it's interesting because like the, it's the unification of like Georg and Maria and it's like this happy wedding mm -hmm. but it's also a unification of Austria to Nazi Germany which is not so great yeah um, so it's an interesting like choice for the movie timeline to like put those two together um, and I read apparently like most of Austria were like okay with germany taking over basically mm -hmm. apparently like 99 percent at the time were Yikes. okay with the annexation <clears throat> so i guess like georg would have been a very outlier. big outlier yeah yeah unfortunate 99 percent is a lot yeah i mean and that's just with a quick google search it might be wrong mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah crazy so um the next scene is i guess Weeks later, Maria and Georg are returning from their honeymoon and, you know, Max and the kids are like rehearsing for this folk festival that Max like secretly enrolled the kids in. Um, and so, yeah, um, Maria and Georg return. Um, 
the first thing we see when they return is Georg taking the flag that Erzeller mm-hmm. and uh, Herzeller and um, like the Nazis put on his house. They put a freaking swastika flag on his house and he takes yeah. it down and rips it. And I'm like, yes, of course, like you go. Um, and then, oh, well, so like before they return, um, the kids are like still out with Max and they encounter Rolf and Rolf is like being kind of a dick to Liesel. Oh, yeah. So Liesel back at the house is talking to Maria when she returns and she's like having this sweet kind of talk about like, what do I do? Like, if I think I'm in love with the boy and I'm falling out of love with him because he's like, I, I'm paraphrasing, but like basically he's a dick. Mm-hmm. And um, she, there's kind of this short little reprise of 16 going on 17 that Maria sings to Liesel. And it's like, obviously, a much more preferred version of this song, less belittling oh, yeah. lyrics, more empowering, uplifting. And the fact that at the end, oh, Maria's like last line is like, wait a year or two like just yeah. relax you're only 16 just relax you're fine for now um and then of course like there's another scene where max is like uh being a little bit more complacent um again about the Anschluss right. and Georg is like stop like you need to stop mm-hmm. um and then skip forward a little bit to the uh festival yeah and uh yeah, like they obviously they try to escape. They don't want to turn the car on before the festival, blah blah blah. They don't they don't want to like draw attention or let anyone, even their like housekeeper or whatever, know that they're leaving. Right. And of course, the uh I don't know what you would call them, like the police or the guards or whatever are literally outside the gates of their home waiting for them because they like know. So, of course, they make up the lie that they're going to the festival, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, the festival comes, and, uh, of course, the Edelweiss reprise is so sad um, in this context. He has to leave to save, save himself and his family, avoid being yeah. forced to work, to, to work for the Third Reich. Um, and also this version does include Christopher Plummer's real singing voice a little bit like near the end when he's kind of like breaking down a little bit more and like okay yeah like Maria starts to join in um and like I said this before the Edelweiss flower represents true devotion and love which is exactly what Maria and Georg's feelings towards Austria are and then again a sad context for so long farewell Mm -hmm. and like the kids all look so terrified when they like walk off stage and they're like looking back over their shoulder at their parents um it's a literal like farewell to their home and their people and everything they know yeah yeah i mean and there's so much tension in that scene too because like you know they're trying to leave Mm -hmm. and well like there's a tension from like before they leave to like the end of the whole movie basically um but yeah it's just like a lot of a lot of tension because you're like are they going to be able to leave like obviously we know about like the real family but still within the movie it's like are they going to get caught like what's going to happen so there's a lot of tension in that like last half hour yeah um but yeah like 
they obviously left by train in real life um, to go to Italy because Georg held Italian citizenship, apparently. Mm. Um, and then they landed in the U.S., did some mm. concert tours. They Interesting. ended up in Vermont, apparently. Um, nice. Like, finally. Um but I found it interesting that at the end, like that they're traveling through the mountains. I think it makes sense for the film because like we have the hills are just like a backdrop, but also kind of like a supporting character mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie. It's like a sanctuary for Maria at the beginning. Then it becomes a sanctuary for her and the kids. And then at the end, it becomes like a sanctuary for the entire family. Yeah. And it's their way out of like the Nazi hellhole yeah and it like guides them to like refuge basically yeah exactly love that so um obviously before they leave they're like hiding in the abbey um Mm -hmm. and it's i just find it really touching that the nuns would allow them to hide there of course they're risking like persecution by harboring like fugitives Mm -hmm. um but they do it anyway because they love maria and they yeah, they love Maria. Well, there's there's that one nun. I don't know if it's Margareta or Bert. I think it's Margareta. I don't know. She's like, them. yeah, they like do something to the cars. Yeah, and like, I've yeah. seen. Yes, yeah, they they pull out the car parts from the car the guards' cars so they can't like <laughs> yeah. run or like uh, chase them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I always hold my breath like mm-hmm. when that when they're hiding behind those like structures in that like weird gated thing. And they're shining the flashlights in to find them. And it's like such a close call, like within feet. Um, And freaking Liesl gave away their location by gasping when she saw Rolf. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then at gunpoint, Georg even offers for Rolf to come with them and escape. And still Rolf is like, fuck you and calls you know, for the guards you know what that scene reminds me of it reminds me of um when malfoy is going to kill uh dumbledore true that's what that reminds me of because like dumbledore is sort of like trying to reason with malfoy yeah. like you're not like this this isn't you like you just yeah we'll hide you yeah yeah it reminded me of that like true um but yeah again like hillary said genius of the nuns to pull out those car parts <laughs> I've sinned um and yeah of course they they just walk to Switzerland apparently (laughs) um and I looked on the map and Salzburg is nowhere near Switzerland it borders Germany it's like way west oh yeah yeah it's it it, that would be a long ass walk (laughs) so I don't know but they got a good workout in I guess yeah and then uh the end yep oh my god great movie final thoughts um (laughs) i don't know i mean i love this movie i've always loved this movie it's like of course it's a classic in like everyone's mind um i would say overall rating probably like mm, 8.75 8.5 8.75 it's great i (laughs) i don't like I definitely used to have like much more of an attachment to it. I feel like, like not so long ago, probably like a couple of years ago, I just loved this movie. I watched it all the time, um, but not so much anymore. I have, of course still love it, but yeah, I would say like 8.5 ish. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so this one, 
I would give it a higher score than I gave Moulin Rouge. Um, I don't know. I think I may give it like a nine, nine just because six. of how, like how iconic it is, like as a piece of film and cinema. Like I think it's like on every list of like top 100 films of all time. Like <laughs> this is like one of those. Um, and for me, like, I don't know. I just, I never get bored of it. Like yeah. there's some movies that I'll rewatch and I'm kind of like, oh, I don't want to go through this whole scene again or whatever. And I get sort of bored. But this one is one that I never really get bored of. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a nine. The casting mm -hmm. is great, too. Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. All the kids are well cast as yeah. well. Like, I don't have any complaints about, like, the script or anything like that. No. It's, yeah, it's it's a classic. And very well executed. Love yeah. it. Oh, my goodness. Long movie, long comments. Um, so, it's a good yeah. thing there's only two of us this time. I know. <laughs> I know. Three hours. I know. And next week, not next week, next episode, um, Katie and I will be discussing Joseph and the Technicolor right. Dreamcoat and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, the Donnie Osmond, like, I think, like, made for TV movie version, mm -hmm. which is very short. It's like, and maybe, I don't even know if it's an hour and a half long. But right. funny, very, very different. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that was our kind of analysis, I guess, if you could say that, of um, The Sound of Music. Uh, if you have any thoughts about it, let us know. We'd love to hear them. I don't know. Um, and, yeah, stay tuned. If you didn't listen to the Moulin Rouge episode, go listen to that. And, uh We'll, well, we won't see you later because this is a podcast, but <laughs> bye. You'll hear us later. Yeah, exactly.